I remember those days with fondness. The whole lot of us, snarls, banded together against those that would do us harm. I taught them what I knew. I taught them to stand up for themselves, to fight back. And we caused trouble, me and them, where we found injustice against our kind or the remnants that nurtured us, we fixed it. And we weren't always right or good or proper, but most of the things we did made things better for our kind, and we needed that. But there's only so long you can go doing heists and scores and schemes. It was like we were just snapping branches off of a tree. But what we needed to do was cut that tree down. What we needed to do was stop that tree growing in the first place. People like you, you call us dangerous. You hunt us, you use us. And the truth is that we are. We are dangerous, we are destructive, and... We are useful to you. For a while I wanted to make sure that we weren't. I wanted to fix that fundamental problem of who we were. I told my followers to align themselves with a remnant, to stabilize our unraveling. I saw ways to halt our unspooling entirely, to give us control over who we are. What I've come to realize is that people like you don't fear us for our lack of control. You fear us for our power. And you will always hunt us. You will always use us. And you will always call us dangerous. So now I follow a new path. The only way to stop them is to turn their fear into submission. I'll show them just how dangerous we can be. Welcome to these Flimsy Rituals, a narrative-first role-playing podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today are Thryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn, and you can find me at Theron. Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. You can find me at C-Sylph Games. Steve Martin. Hey, I'm Steve, and I'm on Twitter at purple underscore Steve. And Ryan Evans. Hey, I'm Ryan, and you can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon, and you can find me on Twitter at AdTDixon. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. So, shall we pick up where we left off? We're three of you in the library of the Revenant Chorus. If I remember correctly, Belka is in the corridors, after having just escaped the chain spell that Ven's, like, kind of weaved. And... Uh, Vens had been pulled somewhere into like the depths of the library and Charla had just entered and come face to face with Captain Aloma Labrensis and at the same time outside the library we had Briss. Briss was heading this way with the rest of the caravan of Ninut and still a little way out. Okay so I think we start with Belka today. You decided to go, like, deeper into this place, right? Uh, yeah, I am heading down, away from the collapsing ceilings, and into the weird pink zone, which I'm not sure is better. Sure. So I think, um, like, as you're rushing down the stairs, like, Obel suddenly grabs you and pulls you to one side and into one of the rooms. Rushing is a strong word. I have a moderate wound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so I think this this is uh, what this is about. I think they lead you into a room that 
your first impression is like it smells very strongly of formaldehyde. Good. As you look around you, you can see like, it seems to be like some sort of study or like science focused rooms. There are like pickled animals in like jars and there's even like maybe a skeleton in one of the corners, but like really weirdly, like the brain and nervous system is preserved. And I think there's like a desk with some instruments on and Obil kind of motions for you to sit down and I think Tiller sits down as well and pulls some bandages out of one of the cupboards and says, is it okay if I, and like points to your wound. Yeah, yes, yes, please. I I do not enjoy being stabbed. I don't believe I have been before, but I think maybe once is enough. I've never been stabbed before. I can't. I can't imagine. Points at their arm and goes, it's, it's kind of... Knives don't really get through this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've got, like, insect skin, right? Is that what was going on? No, it's like a, like a weird bone honeycomb. Oh, okay. Like exoskeleton. I think that's okay. how I described it. So yeah, they've got almost like a beehive-style pattern exoskeleton, and in places they have, like, carvings that have been dyed, like, almost like tattoos. Nice. And you can see a load of them as they, like, roll up their robes in order to, like, start patching you up. Oh, fantastic. That would be great, yeah. And they start wrapping, like, the bandages around you. I I don't think, like, they're, like, healing you, but... I would like to be bleeding less. Yes, definitely that. Obel looks at you as they're doing this and is like, so what are we doing? That is a good question. I think think Belka's just going to shrug. Just take it as it goes, then. Yes. But maybe take less stabbing. Not being stabbed. That's what we're doing now. That sounds like a good plan to me. Thank you. What should we do about them? And they, like, nod to Tiller, who is still looking extremely spaced out. We could try and get them out. And then, like, they nod to the book and go, or if you want to try that. I think Belka's probably been, like, clutching the book very tightly up until this point. He's going to look at it quite slowly and look at Tiller and then kind of hold it out to them. Like for them to take? Yeah. Okay. I think Tiller reaches out to take it with one of their, like, sun-kissed hands and just kind of hugs it into their chest for a little bit. These are yours. I think maybe you should have them, even if we can't put them back. It's not the same in a book. They haven't happened there. But you can still have them? That's important, maybe, that you have them. I'm sorry I got blood on them. I didn't mean to. They, like, look down at the book and, like, lay it onto the desk next to them and just start looking at, like, the different pages flicking through. I'm kind of imagining their expression of being, like, someone looking through a photo album of people that look like them but aren't them. There's something familiar here, but they're not quite getting it, at least not now. You should read it slowly, perhaps. It might be a lot I think. But you should keep it safe. I... I... I didn't want to tell them. I knew it! (laughs) I think Buck was just going to look sympathetic. They... 
make no not made convinced and then like looks at are you Belka? Belka's gonna clap her hands like delighted. <laughs> yes, I'm Belka. I'm your friend. Well, we haven't known each other very long. Well, two days. But friend, I think. What's an interaction that Belka and they had? We made omelettes. I'd never had an omelette. Okay. We made omelettes? Yes. The flat egg. <laughs> it was good. When was that? Belka's going to look concerned for a second and say, I think yesterday, but many things have happened. It seems so long ago. Um, I feel like this is a soothing way roll. I would like to soothe their way. They've had a hard time. Yeah, when you spend time with someone and listen to their where roll. On a 10 plus, choose 3. On a 79, choose 2. And you can clear out their spikes in one emotion. You can heal a point of where. Or you can ask them a question from reader person. They must answer truthfully. Okay. I am gonna roll. What am I gonna roll? I think sad. There's an element of powerful in that Belka has released Tilla's memories from Aloma and the other one. Exenius? Exenius, yeah. Exenius. But I think it's definitely overridden by the tableau of watching Tilla kind of leaf through their own memories and not recognize them. Yeah. I think ultimately it's it's a win, but it's a sad one. Definitely. And that is a seven. I could only see the dice, so I saw a five, and I was like, I'm pretty sure Belka's sad <laughs> is good. Yeah. Okay, so on a seven, you get to choose two. So, clear out all of their spikes in one emotion, heal a point of where, or ask them the question from reader person. So, I think the emotion they're feeling at the minute is like a really strong sense of like befuddlement and confusion. That's fair. I think you can, like, sense the nature of, like, their spirit, and it's definitely, like, worn and beaten. I think I'd probably go for um, asking a question to kind of figure out what Tilla remembers about why this happened. And probably heal a point of where. Okay. I don't, like, I think all the things they're feeling in this moment, there's probably not a lot I can do. But if I can kind of smooth out some of the knots that removing the memory has left behind. That seems like a nice thing to do. I think, like, the thing that it does is it allows Tilla to build a connection between themselves and the memories in the book. Like, it's not... I don't think this is, like, this magical moment where they suddenly get all their memories back or anything, but they can build a connection between the person they are now and the memories that they've given up, and they can kind of, yeah, rebuild those over time. Yeah, I think that's what, I, what I'm aiming for, just kind of, I can't put all the memories back and I can't undo it, but I can kind of guide them to this, even though you don't remember it, is you. Yeah, definitely. And what question would you like to ask? <sighs> Actually, having a look at them, I don't know if any of them are that useful. Uh, hmm. 
I kind of want what are their intentions, but past tense. Like, what were their intentions? Would that be permissible? Yeah, definitely. And do you mean, like, what were their intentions coming here, or what? I think what were their intentions kind of getting involved with the memory farming. Yeah. Because, I mean, I assume, obviously, it was, I went through a difficult loss, and I wanted to ease that. But presumably, something had to happen for the soldiers to be able to convince Tiller to keep coming back. Um, I think this is, like, something you piece together both from the vision you saw in Tiller's house and from, like, what's been going on and also, like, little fragments of what Tiller says. Mm. And, yeah, I think it was the death of Tiller's partner, uh, Alison Brecht, which kind of drove them to this. I think especially because they had so many memories around their place of, mm. of like, the statues and art that they had created. And I think, in part... That is what made them susceptible to coming back, like, the realisation that the stuff they'd taken wasn't enough, like, they were still haunted by this stuff that was still around them. They couldn't quite place, but they knew they had strong attachments to. But I think beyond that, like, they just started preying on them. I'm I think, furious. I think the soldiers just started preying on Tiller. I think you get from them, like, I think you get from Tiller, like, like a sense of, like, they said they needed it. I think it was, like, specifically Exenius wanted Tiller's memories to give as tribute to Doya, to help Doya stay strong. Oh, I'm very angry. But I think for one of the few times in their life, Belka is not allowing anger to manifest outwardly. Like, usually they're pretty open, I think. But obviously... Okay. Tiller is having a really bad time, and I don't think they want Tiller to think they're mad at them. No, that makes sense. So I think they're going to kind of pat Tiller's hand with theirs and like close their hand a little tighter over the book for them and, and remind them, well, these are yours, and what you do with them is up to you. But keep them safe, yes? And then um, turn and ask Obil, can you, can you keep them safe? Until I'm done here? Obel nods. Yeah, I, I I, can keep them safe. What are you going to do? End this. And then very undramatically fall out of my chair trying to stand up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Who would we like to go to next? Hmm. You can't keep us in suspense about Venz and his chain situation. Come on now. No, I want to. I want to hear what's going on with <laughs> Aloma. Yeah, <laughs> I do want to hear about Aloma getting punched by two teenage boys, but I also want to hear about Venza's remnant kink. So it's, it's a <laughs> well, when you can put we, it like that, <laughs> can we go to Aloma? Actually, I think because I want to establish what happens there before I establish some stuff with Venza. If that's okay, okay, that's yeah. fine. I mean, I made the choice and I chose Aloma, so that is. The case. This this is on you. It is on me. I it is on me. Okay. Um. So we go to Chala and Aloma at the entrance to the library. So if I remember right, um, like you just run into a library and run straight across like the large stone hall with like the domed roof, like probably footsteps echoing throughout it, and 
down the stairs leading to to like the library beneath and almost run like straight into Captain Aloma Lavrentis, who starts with like a little bit of like a dismissive sneer to say out of the way and then like looks and sees you and goes it's you child come with me have we so oh did you not meet you didn't meet i well i know that they were tracking us for a long time so aloma may have seen me but we were hiding in the other room so we only heard aloma's voice is that correct yeah so has aloma seen me I think Aloma may have seen you, but I think what happens is, like, you run into Aloma, and Aloma says, like, that same thing of, like, move out of the way, and then, like, looks at you, and isn't quite sure, like, it's that moment of, like, doing, like, a second look and trying to work out, like, a double take, and trying to work out whether he knows you. How do you respond? Are you just trying to, like, divert attention, or are you gonna say something, or... Was Aloma using the Aloma voice? Aloma was absolutely using the Aloma. What's the Aloma voice? Aloma doesn't have another voice. Yeah, okay. Aloma has one voice, and that is, move out of my way. Okay, Chala recognizes this voice. Yeah. It woke her up yesterday morning, or this morning. This morning! It woke her up this morning. I And I imagine like Chala got to see Aloma, even if Aloma didn't get to see Chala. There's okay. no way Charla didn't peek through a window. What? What? <laughs> Charla's very good and not at all. No, okay. Yeah, Charla's definitely seen Aloma then. I think Charla, in this case, where Aloma seems to recognize but not entirely recognize her, is going to try and use unthreatening. And sneak away? Does not want to go with Aloma. Okay, and what does this look like on screen? Is it just like bowing your head and continuing, or...? Um, kind of, I guess, kind of apologizing for bumping into Aloma and scuttering away. Okay. Um, under Aloma's arms and just like, away, down the hallway, very fast. Okay, um, and how is Charla feeling? Uh, scared, scared. This is a scary person. Uh, make the roll. Alright. Dun dun dun. So, unthreatening is when you want to hide, sneak, or otherwise remove attention from yourself. Roll. On a 7 to 9, you do it, but pick one. Either you leave tracks or marks of your presence, or someone else attracts attention in your place. I think someone else attracts attention in my place. Okay. So there is no one here, so I, I don't know if that counts. No. The boys. Yeah, I, th- I think that's who it's going to be. I think it'll be Ayaf and Shu. Says, what have you done? No! They're meant to protect Chala. It's, 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 I hope they're fine. They can protect themselves. I think we see, like, Chala running off, as you said, or, like, scuttling off. And, like, Aloma starts to do a double take as Chala, like, goes on corners if to be like, should I... Like, a kid shouldn't be running into here. And then, like, they turn and they see Ioff and Shu coming down the stairs. I think we cut there. If even one hair on Ioff's head is harmed, I will burn this library to the ground. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Ioff will be fine. Aren't they both, like, tracker-fighting people? 
I mean, they're like hunters and scouts. That's not the same as being a trained soldier. Better than being a child. Okay. So, Vance, shall we see where you ended up? Help, I've fallen down the well. <laughs> so I think the chains pull you gently down towards the bottom of the well, kind of like cushioning your fall. Like, they're kind of like at your back and like wrapped around your arms and they're kind of lowering you. I think as you kind of head downwards, you get a chance to look around. I don't think the place is, like, well lit by any, like, stretch of the imagination, but you can see, like, little glimpses and little scenes. You see a familiar face of the Orskult Kalsun, leader of the monks, as she is confronted by one of the soldiers from the satrapy, one of, like, Aloma's soldiers, and they're raising, like, their glaive-like weapon, and you see a monk come behind them with, like, a huge grimoire and hit them on the head. I think further down the well, you see two people. Do you know people are snarls when you meet them, or do you just kind of have to figure it out yourself? I think it's more figuring it out yourself. I don't think there's, like, a universal thing. Yeah. Unless there's some way of sensing it, but I don't know if that's a thing either. Well, I think there would be, but maybe that belongs more to, like, weavers? Because, like, weavers are the people that can, like, see the threads of, like, the spirit that kind of tie a thing together. I think, like, snarls are a bit more, we just manipulate it. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think there's anything standout-ish, unless, like, I don't know, Vince has been out on his own for a while, unless there's some sort of, like, universal uniform... <laughs> Well, I think what you see is maybe maybe you see someone actually weaving a spell and you see you see the other person, the other agent of of the conclave, like walking down this well. They're the one that was like the tall of the two, with like the broad helmet, and they have like a blade held out. You can see them on one layer and below them, two people that aren't dressed anything like the monks. And you're not quite expecting this, but you see one of them weave a spell and you see them like they almost like fold and bend the walls that are next to them to create like a wall blocking the stairway. And you continue being pulled down into the bottom of this well. And I think it's a half-finished sort of place. I think the stairs continue down here and it looks like... It looks like there are either plans to continue mining downwards or like that is still a thing that's ongoing. But for now, this is as far as the monks have gone. I mean, you notice a few things. I think you notice like the columns that kind of support the well, seem to just, like, hover here in midair. They, they kind of keep coming down from the well and then just stop before the floor. And the floor itself is, like, a tiled, mosaiced thing that, like, a bit like the floor in the main building. It's, like, lots of bright colours. And there's a big crack in the centre of it. All of, like, the chains, they all seem to, like, lead into this. And the chains continue up the columns and you can see where you've come from, like, all of the chains kind of, like, wrapping round the well and, like, leading upwards. This big interconnected network of them. And I think the other thing you see, as you're, like, gently lowered to the floor somewhere near, like, the crack in it, is you see there's a group of people here. There are five of them. And all of them have their backs turned to you. And they're facing what looks to be, like, a big iron door. And one of them you see steps forward. She's a tall woman with, like, a chitinous back. She moves her hands around and and kind of, like, pumps them to her chest and then back out, and this pink light flows from her at the iron door. And it seems to change slightly 
Um, it, it, it like rattles and bits of it seem to change from, from iron into like, I think like pink quartz and bismuth and other like metals and materials, but like not all of it and not enough of it. And the door doesn't open. It seems that you've found some others like you. Uh, what are you doing? Well, I assume that the chains have released me now, or am I yeah. still... Okay. You've kind of been low to the floor, like, somewhat near. But I'm not sure that any of them have noticed you right now. They seem, like, very focused on this door. I think Vens would do, like, the classic thing of maybe <laughs> just walking up and joining the group, <laughs> like, staring at the door. Try to figure out what's going on. I think you start to. I think you, you like stand up and start to walk over to them. But I think what happens is as you get close, you you realise that you recognise some of them. So as I mentioned, there are five people. I think two of them are facing this door and like in conversation about what to do next. There are kind of like another two a little away from them. And those are the two you recognise. And you also recognise the last figure who's like a large man, but he's like sat down, leant against the wall. So these people you recognise are people that you used to run with. They're people who also used to be, like, followers of Ferox Erstrate, who was, like, the person who taught you and your mentor. So the person lent against the wall is Keen, who is broad, has, like, hunched shoulders, and with, like, a covering of blue fur. And, like, they have, like, a broadened face and a flat nose, and they just kind of... They just look, like, extremely tired. The two people that you can see talking are... Falsate, who was the name that was given to you by by whatever talked to you and brought you down here. And Falsate was kind of maybe like a friend or like someone on the level with you. So I think what happened is Ferox decided to leave because she wanted to find a way to stop unraveling. And I think when she left, I imagine just from what we know about Venz, like Venz made the decision to like go his own way. And Felsate decided to keep everyone together, like so she took over in like Ferox's place. Is that is that a thing that makes sense? Would would Vens have left them? Yeah, I think so. Maybe not to do anything specific, but perhaps just to find an easier life, I guess. And I imagine it was like a painful moment for everyone. I think a lot of people must have just gone, yeah, without this person that we're gathered around, what is holding us together? Yeah, it's always difficult when someone who leads you and does that job so well, moves on somewhere else. So I think Felsate is like a similar age to Venz. Um, she's a woman who's like average sort of height and she has paper white skin and along her flanks, like almost like buttermilk colored yellow spots. And I think she's like wearing gray robes that kind of taper off to a collar. And she's talking to another person you remember who, who I think is like a person you're much closer to. Um, her name is Gyla Din, who is a woman, I think, who is a little bit younger than you both, but is still quite old. Um, she is wearing, like, quite a thick fur coat, and she has, like, a shaved head, and has, like, very warm eyes. And I think maybe, like, Nilcat has, like, four arms? And I think it's, like, Gyla who, like, notices you first, and turns to you, and has, like, a moment of, like, hesitation, and then looks and goes, Vens? Um, yes? Is G- is that you? Gyla? And, like, Falsay, I think, has turned to, like, look at you, and I think everyone else has. The other two people that were near the door you don't really recognise. 
a broad smile appears on Gyla's face, and she like rushes over to to like hug you if you let her. Yeah, I think Fens would, especially if they were that close. And I think like maybe Keen, who's the one on the floor, does the same. Like levers himself up and goes Fens, and like rushes to the best of his ability over to you and like joins in this like free person hug. How's it been? It's been such a long time. Seems like almost a lifetime, huh? And then Felsate from behind them says, I thought you'd be dead by now. Well, sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> Unfortunately, I found uh, a much quieter life. Gallus says, like, what have you been doing? All these years, where have you been? I settled down. Devoted myself to one remnant. And, well, I... Didn't do a very good job, and now I'm here. But Gyla takes your hand, if you let her? Yeah, I think Venz has kind of got in with this. Are you okay? And I think Falsate says, how did you find us? I wasn't looking for you, and I didn't even know you were here. <laughs> Doya brought me here? The Remnant? Yes. Is that the one you're serving? No, I'm very new in this territory. Has this crew got a name? They do. They're the Splinters. Nice. I think their full name is the Splintered Breath. So yeah, I think one of the other two, like, perks up in this moment. They've both been, like, looking at you, trying to work out who you are and whether you're a threat. They're both younger than the rest. Uh, one of them is called Atta, and he is, he looks quite meek. He's quite short and has like a long prehensile tail. He has like a like almost like a snout instead of like a nose, I guess. And I think like Falsate, he's wearing like a shirt with a collar, but like his collar is popped. And the person who talks is the other one, who is a woman called Wonan. She she's the one that's like tall, who has light skin and like the carapace. She's the one that was casting like the pink light, and she looks at like Falsate. I think, over everyone else, and says, Who is he? And Falsate says, He's Vens. He's someone someone that used to follow Ferox like us, and then gave up on her, I guess. I think Vens kind of just lets it pass. I don't think he's interested in reigniting an old debate. I think he's probably going to lead straight in with, Why are you here? And don't tell me you're here for the lentil thing. Kyla says, lentilic? Yeah. I mean, I'd, I think I'd rather be here for that, but... Uh, and, like, Falsate cuts her off. We're here because this is where Ferox came. When she left us, and when she went searching for an answer to unravelling to this illness, and, like, I think she looks a little bit sad, and I think she looks at she looks at Keen in particular there, who who I think at this point has sat back down and is kind of back hunched over, but still like looking at you with a little bit of a smile on his face. I think if she came here, she recorded some of her memories. If we can get them, maybe they'll lead us to her. Maybe she found out. Maybe she's leading, leaving us a trail. We think they're in there. And she nods back over to the door. So this is a vault. Wonan, there's a little bit of a... <laughs> Yeah, what does it look like? This is where the monks keep all of their high-value books. And you didn't think to ask any of the monks nicely? 
Falsate says, The monks, they don't like us very much. We kind of had the issue of the Conclave as well. They've been on our tail for months. Yes, I, I ran into one of them on the way down here. Hence how I got down here so quickly. <laughs> um, at this point, you start to hear, like, the chains behind you moving. You start to hear them rattling as something begins to pull itself out of the hole. And they raise themselves, and you look around and you are now seeing the network of chains and pulleys and, like, bits of wood, like, almost like rails, that this creature must move along. Because suspended from the ceiling is almost like a huge brass sensor um, that you'd use for, like, burning incense. And it kind of hangs there ominously. I think all around, like, the brass are, like, lots of carvings of, like, various symbols. There are, like, birds and skulls and flowers and, and burning candles. And from the sensor, you can hear hissing, like the sound of a thousand snakes. And that hissing kind of rises and forms into a word. Vens. As the sensor, with, like, the creaking of chains, begins to pull its way towards you and the other snarls. We've been waiting. And I think at that point we'll go over to Tabris, who is outside of the library. Cool. Um... So, so what is happening with Briss, I guess, is the, is the question. God, I've got no idea. So, so, so many exciting things are happening, and I think we're packing up the caravan. <laughs> I, I think we left with, like, the caravan packed up and, like, you at the front, right? Yeah. There was the issue, Briston was having a bit of an issue with some missing family members. Yeah. Was that kind of sorted out? Or did we just, like, walk off, leaving a couple of people behind? Because I don't think Briss would have moved if we didn't have everybody accounted for okay so i think you you probably delay everything a little bit right like looking to see whether you can work out where they've gone yeah yeah very much so i think i'm just going to give you this i don't think this is a role i think the thing you work out is you see the tracks of charla on the Ocant and two other people leading towards eulogy and a little way off that you see two other tracks you see the tracks of an adult and like someone maybe teenage age, like like slightly smaller footprints, also leading towards eulogy. And I think occasionally, maybe a little bit further off from that, you can see what looks to be like a weird mixture of like the large padded footprints of a bear and like <sighs> thousands of cuts in the mud. Oh no. And they're all heading in the same direction. Yeah, they're all heading to eulogy. Good. Excellent. <laughs> I might just break the suspense and reveal this because Charla or Ziz in, in chat has gone, oh dear, I forgot about my gang. So did you want to tell people about your new uh, advancement? So a while ago, I think, a couple of sessions ago, I advanced and took the advancement of a gang, but didn't really get told what my gang was going to be yet. And so, surprise! It's an ice bear and two people I brought back from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a group. Charla, surprise necromancer. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, oh no, oh no. Yeah, that's you now, mate, sorry. Oh no! 
Do do my weasels count as part of my gang? <laughs> I mean, do you only have one weasel? <laughs> I've got Prickle, the the real weasel, and then Strail. I don't think we named the Strail weasel. I mean, it, it's actually Strail. I think is the thing. Oh, okay. Well, then it has a name, but it's not part of my gang. No, and also Prickle is sort of like maybe part of Ioff's gang. That's okay. I still have two undead people and an ice bear, so that's fine. What a perfect gang. Woo! Bristin is gonna be so mad. Oh yeah, that's his entire family. That's his entire family. <laughs> Bristin already does not like me and knows everything about Jala, so that's great. It's gonna be so good. Okay, so what what scene do we want? Do we want... A scene before a caravan arrives in eulogy is there anything you want to tie up i think once once she's found these these footprints these tracks and kind of has some suspicions about the the footprints and is able to get people moving you know knowing that they're everybody's moving in the same direction we're following them we're trying to catch up it's a good excuse to get people going quickly i think bris probably spends a lot of the the journey in silence, trying to figure out exactly what the hell is going on, completely unsuccessfully. Like the whole bear thing is just absolutely beyond her. And I think she's getting a little bit worried about how out of control, out of her control, this whole situation is getting. Sure. So yeah, I think we get the shot of Briss maybe ahead of the caravan, like trying to piece together what's going on, scouting ahead. Maybe at the edge of, like, the clearing? Like, the great clearing of trees that, like, surround eulogy. Mm-hmm. And maybe the thing that happens here, maybe you get to do a pay attention to the world around you move as you try sure. to piece together what's going on. Okay. Um, I think if I'm, if I'm off on my own, that's gonna be, that's gonna be peaceful. So. Ooh, that's a 10. Nice. When you spend a moment to pay attention to the world around you, roll on a 10 plus ask three. When you act on an answer, take a plus one forward. The questions are, what's my best way out in past? What here is useful to me? What is the most dangerous thing here? What is being overlooked? What, if anything, doesn't belong here? And what beliefs and superstitions exist about blank? I, I think we can read this as being about eulogy or about anything that's happened. In the yeah, caravan? I wanna I wanna ask all six. Five. Six. Yeah. Okay, I've gotta pick three. Um I'm I think actually quite an interesting one to ask is gonna be what beliefs and superstitions exist about that bear thing that I saw. I'm trying to figure out if it makes any sense about Charla creating or summoning or whatever it is she did to this thing that now seems to be with two people, two of our people? Yeah. I think that's an interesting one because beliefs and superstitions definitely gives it a certain tinge, right? Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, it's not going to be facts. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking up the Wikipedia article on ice bears accompanying people through woods. You know. So I think as you're traveling and probably over like the last few days, no, not days, the last day, 
yeah. since since Charla kind of summoned this thing, there's a story that I think maybe it comes from like a story that a trader told, maybe someone that had come from the south and had spoken about one of the territories down there had spoken about a place covered in frost and ice and winds where the beating of drums seemed to spread. And I think it's meant to be like an envoy of the remnant there, a creature that serves the remnant's wishes. From what you hear, it's meant to be something unforgiving, something almost like nihilistic and, and deadly. This thing is no good. At least that's what the people in in the caravan say. I mean, that checks out. <laughs> the only time I've seen it, it killed someone. So, yeah. Yeah. Probably getting a little bit worried, really. Um, what's my best way in to the city? Generally? At this moment. Because there's... Am I seeing the the weirdness that's going on right now? Yeah, I think so. Is that visible from outside? Yeah. And is the place in a bit of disarray? Yeah, I think so. I think because you're probably like an hour or two behind Charla. So like, there's definitely a bit of a disconnect between like where Charla is now and your arrival, right? Oh, definitely. Like, she definitely yeah. spent a bit of time at the festival, but like this is maybe beyond that. I think one of the things you can see are like groups of monks and like some of the soldiers from the satrapy like moving people to safety um, as like word of what's happening at the library spreads. And I think as you're watching, you see a single rider, probably on like one of the Ockent, ride out. And I'm imagining you're like approaching from the southwest and they head to the east and into the trees along a path. And from afar, you can see the purple glint of the robes of, like, the satrapy. But I think the rider going out, and especially because no other soldiers are kind of leaving, makes you worry for taking other people in. Okay. So, on my own, probably. On your own, or with people that you can trust to, like, handle themselves. The sense you get is that, like, eulogy is probably not a good place to just take, like, civilians. Sure. Okay. And I think the final one... Oh, this is tricky. Um, what here is useful to me? Hmm. Specifically, if I can, you know, if I can kind of narrow this down, um, for finding the people who are... that I'm looking for, specifically. Yeah. So, I think this is two answers. The first is that Whatever seems to be happening, you very quickly get the sense that the large building, the library, with like the domed roof, is at its epicentre. And there's kind of no doubt in your mind that that's where like your friends will be. And I think the thing about that that's useful, because I think the way the situation has changed um, since we saw Charla enter the library is that there are two people with golden masks stood outside the main doors of the library. I think we can see that they're different from the agents of the conclave that are inside, but yet they are stood guarding like the entrance and exit. However, you see a monk kind of enter through a side door in like the southern wing of the library. And I think that's what's useful to you, uh, another entrance. 
Excellent. Okay, cool. I think she makes her way back to the rest of the people and tells them to stay, to stick to the trees, you know, not to not to leave the tree line, not to get visible from the city. Iov and Shu are, have gone in, haven't they? So Iov and Shu, and so Callan's still around. Yeah, let's just get the list of people in the caravan, shall we? I just remember how many people are uh, capable of actually looking after themselves. I don't think it's yeah, many. Um, no, it's probably... Nilcat, Nilcat, Nilcat. Yeah, I was, was going to say, like, Nilcat is, like, probably offers to join you. Um, Arkan would, but I think she is still injured. Cast definitely, like, hands you his rifle and says, look after it. I hope you won't need it. Yeah, um, you never really told me how to use this thing, but, uh... <laughs> I think he gives you, like, a quick demonstration. <laughs> okay. Well, let's just hope I don't, I don't need it. Um, who else might be useful? Um, I think it's just going to be me and Nilcat. Best friends. Anyone else who can, anyone else who can take care of themselves, I want them to stick around, stick with the rest of the caravan. There's too many vulnerable people here. I think Kaylin offers. I think she's got like a, like a kind of cudgel, and like she looks at you and goes, "I can help if if you need me." And then, like, with, like, a half smile, I was like, family's got to stick together, you know? <laughs> I think, I think I'd rather... Can you look after Corin for me? Um, she, she looks over to Corin. Um, I, I think, like, Corin is probably, like, stood with Maddie at the minute. Mm-hmm. Trying to, like, work out... Because I imagine you, like, passed this news on to Corin that Caitlin and Maddie and Leaf and Cast are now part of his family. Sure, yeah. And they're probably, like, forging some kind of relationship there. But yeah, Caitlin looks over to Corin and like if if that's where you need me yeah I think I think the fewer of us that go the the less attention we're going to attract oh just a second and head over to Corin and sort of kneel down next to him and I'm going to pull out the knife I've got that Aya gave me okay and say I'll be back soon until I come back you need to protect these people okay he nods now just remember, if it looks too dangerous, get away. But have this just in case. Where to? Where do I go? In the trees. You'll figure something out. But you might feel a bit safer with this. He takes it and kind of looks it up and down. And like, looks at you and I think he's not quite sure whether he likes you or not at the moment. <laughs> Fair enough. But like, <laughs> Moves forward and, like, hugs you. I think Briss kind of freezes for a second and then sort of gently pats him on the back, still kind of very tense and unsure, and then kind of pulls away. Yeah, just, um, just... There's not going to be any trouble, okay? Just stick with everybody else, and if it gets too bad, run and look after yourself. I, um... And then she just turns around and walks off. Okay. I kind of want to go to Belka. I... I think... What are they doing at the minute? Hobbling down the stairs. <laughs> With quite a few flights up, I imagine it's taking me a while. Yeah, I can imagine that. What What's Belka's intentions at the minute? What What's going on in, in their mind? They're very mad about memories that were not willingly given being taken for the remnant. They're very mad that the Conclave is here. Because, I guess, Iov has not a great history with them. And they're very mad 
that the monks seem utterly ineffectual and there's some sort of weird martial law situation going on here. But none of that they can really deal with. So they're just kind of charging down the hole furiously to hope that whatever weird pink light situation is going on down here, it's somehow related to those other three things and it is something they can fuck up. Sure. Also, I guess looking for vents. <laughs> okay, um, I think what we what happens is as you're like rushing down these stairs, are you like paying attention or are you just going? <sighs> I think they're paying attention to the extent of their current capabilities. It is dark and they have been stabbed. They're not like stopping to like work no, out. No, it's mostly stuff. kind they're of just... a dogged plunge downward, eyes on the steps so they don't trip and fall. Okay. I think you turn a corner and you can see half-lit in the archways of, like, one of the rooms leading off this central stairway, uh, like, two figures. And I, I don't think they've seen you yet. Um, one is quite tall and broad and seems to be carrying, like, a large book, maybe? And the other is, like, very short. They both seem to be wearing, like, some kind of robes. Are they in my way, particularly, or...? Um, you'd, you'd have to pass them. Okay. I'm going to attempt to pass them. Um, I think as you get closer, they stop whatever conversation they're having and, like, hear you approaching. And as they turn, you, you recognise the, the shorter person as being, uh, the Orskult Kalsun. Oh. And she looks at you and goes, Belka. Orskult? And the other monk, I think, who has, like, pale brown robes and, like, even from here you can smell, like, the lie kind of drifting off them. He's like, steps between you and the Oscar. Not, like, completely, but, like, in a way of, like, I'm protecting her. Mm -hmm. And you can see that he's holding, like, a large tome that has, like, a spattering of, like, blood on it. And he also has, like, a cut across his forehead where blood is running. And he just looks at you. He doesn't say anything. Oh, well, we've all bled on books today. Very impressive. <laughs> yes. Um, and Carlson says... Well, I guess I should have known that Obil would let you down here. Obil seems not good at their job, but also deeply unhappy. These two things might be linked. Um, she, she smiles and says, If someone offers themselves up to the service of the Revenant Chorus and the adherents, then, then we take them. It's not our job to sort out the ones that are unhappy. Yes, well, you take a lot of things, don't you? She kind of, like, sighs, and it's like one of those sighs where, like, all of the air just seems to, like, leave her body. It's been a long day for her. And she says as she looks around, like, I'm sorry you came at such a bad time. What happened to Vens? Yes, I also would like to know this. Have you seen him? She shakes her head. Well, I will find him on my own, thank you. She looks at you as... Do you start to, like, move, or...? Yeah, I'm gonna try and start moving again. I think she, like, looks at you with, like, sincerity. And says, Belka, I'm sorry about everything. Truly. I'm sorry that all of this is happening. I'm sorry that... I'm sorry about what happened to your friend. I, I... I think Belka is kind of gonna hold up a hand to halt the apology and, like, nod looking genuinely 
thankful for it, but say, do not be sorry, fix it, or if you will not, help me. What do you intend to do? I think Becca's going to laugh a little bit and lean on the wall and take a moment to just be as extremely tired as they are right now and say, I don't know yet, but it will not be small, I think. She... I think she looks kind of scared, maybe? And then says... There's a part of me that's like going like, is any of this leaning into an expression move? Yeah, I think it might be. No, I think it is. I think it's an expression it move. It is. I think, I'm just trying to figure out what it is that is being expressed. I think in my mind it's like a deep annoyance at like this system that has been allowed to exist. Yeah. And like there's some deeper stuff around that about like Belka's relationship to that. Yeah, I think there's, I think, I don't know how much the monks in eulogy would know about what is currently happening with the hearts in Ertal. But I imagine they're not totally ignorant of it. Or they would have heard of the hearts yeah. and they would have kind of heard of what they do because they share a similar kind of theology. Yeah, Kelson absolutely would know yeah, about Yeah, Kelson would absolutely know what's going on. And I think there is an element of kind of, I guess, comparison between the two where Belka is essentially, essentially trying to warn them off going down the same path. Like, I know where this goes, and it's not good. And if you won't cut it off, I will. Yeah. In the same way, like, Carlson absolutely understands that. I don't think you have to say that explicitly. Mm. I mean, you kind of have, depending on the role. I think she knows that subtext. <laughs> Let's see. Um, so expression is when you take something you feel, a concept, or an idea, and you use your words to express it to others, roll. On a 10 plus, choose 3. On a 79, choose 2. So how... Is Belka feeling at the moment? Oof. <laughs> the big question. That's a big question. I think kind of drained. Mm. I think it's kind of like a mix of weariness at this inescapable concept of meddling that they've been trying so deeply to get away from, and here it is again, and physical exhaustion from being wounded. And kind of the confusion of not knowing what's going on are just one big, one big drain on all the forms of energy, mm. which I, I can't decide whether that would be sad or peaceful. It's feels like it's straddling that line. I think I'm going to go for scared, because the outcome of how well this goes is what's going to push it either to peaceful or sad. What is your scared? My scared is one. Ooh, that is a five, though. Hmm. Um, what was the last thing you said? Uh, I think she asked what I would do, and I said I didn't know, but it wouldn't be small. Okay. So one of, one of the options, one of the options is that everything within earshot stops to pay attention. Oh no, I don't think I did want that actually. Oh dear. <laughs> And I think there are a lot of things in earshot. I think the envoy of the chains can definitely sense what you're saying and is paying attention. I think Kelson is paying attention. But I don't know whether it's quite had the effect that you wanted. I think... I'm not sure how this is going to go. 
because we'll play to find out, but I think Kelson, at the very least, has recognised that there's something in you that is dangerous, and has started to see you as a threat. It's fair. And I think somewhere, and I don't know whether we quite see where, laid down, fallen, like on the floor, in like a nest of chains, we see the whiskers of Terea all twitch, oh. and then begin to like lift themselves up. Oh no. Up. Stay down, Terea. And in the present moment, we see Kalsun look at you and say, if you're going down there, stay safe. And whatever you do, don't trust the soldiers of the satrapy. And she nods at the other monk and says, they, they seem to have their own agenda. I think Berka's gonna, kind of friendly, almost, pat her on the shoulder as a, as a thank you and start heading down the corridor. Okay. And I think we'll end on Vens, who is stood at the bottom of the library in what they've now realised is the lair of one of Doya's envoys. And they stand in front of it, the giant censer with like smoke and incense kind of pouring out of it. And also alongside it, I think there are like snakes snaking in and out of like the holes. And alongside them, I think, is Fal- Falsate. And I think the rest of the snarls have kind of shrunk back. Kind of a little bit afraid. They're used to dealing with remnants, but like, they're remnants that they know. They're not, I guess, in the middle of a heist in like unfamiliar territory. Falsate. Doya wants to make a deal. I think Vens looks over to see what Falsate's reaction is. I think Falsate, like, steps forward. What does Doya want? And then, like, looks back at you and says, Why is... Why is he a part of it? And, um... The envoy, whose name is Sistra, says... Doya needs a new rep. Representative. Someone to hold what's coming at bay. Who answers first? Obviously, I know what's coming. <laughs> you do know what's coming. Funny that. Also, like, the mountain that Doya kind of resides in is very close to Karn Veskel. I think Ven's... Ven's sort of, like, steps forward next to Falset and just... Oh, I don't know. This is tricky. What? What's tricky? Well, as much as Venz wants wants a new remnant power, I don't know if, if he wants to set himself up here to be defending against Corpus after just getting out alive last time. That is extremely fair. But also doesn't want to set up his old pals into the same trap. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think Venz steps up next to Falsate and says does Doya think they can stop what's coming? Hmm. Um. I think there's like a slight hesitation. A slight moment of silence in which like Falsate also looks over to you and then looks back at this thing of like brass and incense and, and snakes. The thing 
There comes his death. Doya knows this, but Doya knows that it can be slowed. I think Falsate says, we want her memories. Give us the memories that you have of Ferrox Erstrait, and we have a deal. I think before they have a chance to answer, I think Vince turns to Falsate and says, I have no way to explain to you how dangerous this is. I barely got away from this last time. There must be another way for you to get this information. Falsate looks at the door and is like, we've we've been down here an hour trying to get through that. We That thing is not just made of iron. There's something, something else stealing it against whatever we throw it. This is probably the only way. And if there's something else that you want, I think... This is the best way to get it. I... If you do this, you will unravel. You will tear yourself apart. This thing that Doya wants to slow down, it's its like nothing I've seen before. And I'm not sure that you're going to get the answers to your questions in time to save yourself or the others. From behind you, you hear someone picking themselves up. I'll do it. And it it's Keen. And like he's hobbling forward. You're used to seeing him like so upright and like tall, and he's kind of hunched. He moves one of his arms as as you look at him in like the whisper of a spell. And you see the signature like flare of a spell being written in a dozen ways, and, like, glitching. I don't have long, anyway. And, like, he he kind of just stands behind you both. And Falsate looks at you, and there's a question of whether you approve in her eyes. I think Vens turns to... turns to Keen and says, You know this is it, right? There's There's nothing else after this. Better this than... What happened to Shell? I'm doomed anyway. At least this way I can do some good. And he he smiled slightly. I think Fens nods and then turns towards Falsa and, you know, gives an approving look. And then turns back to Sistra and says, Make sure Doya keeps this one together as long as they can. Deal. A book of memories. For a snarl. Just one more thing. Yes. I need the memories of Serata Page. They visited here and I think they know something about what's coming. I need to know what they know. If we can find any way to stop this. I think the chains creak and the sensor begins to lower. And the last words, as Seastra, like, lowers into the pit, are, step forward. And as the sensor lowers, I think there's a clunk behind you. The great iron doors, like, swing open. And Keen steps forward, and walks to the edge of the hole in the tiled floor, the hole at the bottom of this well, and 
begins to lower himself down. As he descends, he gives a last look to each of his companions. And there is worry on his face, but there's also a kind of happiness that he gets an end less bleak than the one he'd been expecting. And I think as he's looking round, he gives you a look, Vence. There's a big grin on his face, the same like stupid grin that you recognise from when you were both much younger. And then he's gone.